Well, I wanted to kick off my Sunday pod with some beautiful music thanks to Valentina Lasitza on YouTube. Find her there, Valentina Lasitza, L-I-S-I-T-S-A. She does the Beethoven Moonlight Sonnet and a couple other pieces um, to, to calm you down, right? We need some calming yet uplifting music, and I think she provided that just in, in, in finding her, tracking her down for a little music to start today. But I wanted to close up the weekend with Wayne Vanderwall, who's the author of The Gospel of Santa Claus. But I also wanted to close out the weekend by thanking Eileen O'Malley of the Henry Viscardi School. She's a retired teacher from HVS. And I mentioned earlier about the Jason Project. Well, if it wasn't for her asking about someone uh, wanting to join the Jason Project, that wouldn't have ever happened. So, Mrs. O'Malley, we miss you. I hope you're doing well during this whole crazy time. And uh, also, thank you for inspiring me to expand horizons beyond, yes, beyond the, um, the realm of sports. So I was very excited. I felt that Jason connection with NASA and the Jet Propulsion Lab yesterday during the SpaceX launch. I thought I'd, I'd add that. And now uh, Alex G in NYC is my Twitter, my Medium page, Alex G in NYC. That's where I blog. Um, Alex G in NYC on Twitter and Instagram. And Real Alex Garrett on Facebook. All that there. But without further ado... Here is my newfound friend over the last few months, like six months or so, Wayne Vanderwall, who's going to talk about the gospel of Santa Claus and its application to today. It's not Christmas time, but man, don't we wish it were right now. (laughs) We could all use some good cheer right now for sure. So I want to bring you on because you have dealt with prisoners. You go to do ministry in the prison. Is that correct? Yeah, do jail ministry. Uh Uh-huh. So this might hit home for you. You know, we see this terrible, terrible tragedy, this awful murder of George Floyd. And I've got to ask you then, those in prison, would you say they have had trauma with the cops or would you say you're working through that with them? Well, right now, you know, because of the pandemic, haven't been up there in a couple of months. Uh, So I don't know what the feel is this uh, Sunday. Uh, tonight is the first, uh, May 31st is the first time we'll get back in the jail after a couple months. So don't really know what the atmosphere is, what the feel is. So, uh, but in the past, have you, in the past though, you've worked with them to heal some trauma they might've had with their arrest. Is that, is that something that you work through with them? Not necessarily just because, uh, you know, we have one hour on Sunday evenings, uh, to minister to them. That's our time slot. I, I do it through my church. And so there's probably about uh, 30 organizations and churches that are allowed the opportunity to come in and have an hour wow. or two, depending on what they're doing, whether it's uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, Al-Anon, mm. uh, you know, all these different programs that are allowed, or other churches, other religions, other beliefs. Um, you know, they, they're allowed to come in there. And uh, so we, we just have an hour on Sunday evenings. And uh, so sometimes it, it ends up into like a Q&A kind of thing where sure. they ask us some questions or they vent or they, they bring mm-hmm. some stuff up that's like, well, you know, I, I might have had a, a, an outline on what I wanted to get done, but I just felt like God was you know, brought something serious up. And, and mm-hmm. so let's kind of, uh, well, let's deal with that tonight. And, uh, but no, haven't had, yeah, every once in a while, you know, there'll be someone who will make a comment about, you know, police or the guards, uh, the guards in, in Reno or uh, the sheriff's department, uh, they mm-hmm. run the jail. And uh, so a sheriff's deputy, or maybe even a judge or, you know, someone they're, they're not happy with, uh, uh, but uh, thankfully, uh, you know, our, we, you know, knock on wood, mm-hmm. uh, our jail has has uh, you know done a great job as far as training deputies, and that's great. Uh, 
That is yeah, cool. it, yeah, and then you know, even us as volunteers, we hear through pretty thorough training as far right. as how to conduct ourselves and what to watch out for and be careful because mm. we are in there alone with with the in, inmates. You know, they have the cameras, uh, wow. you know, keeping an eye on us, but otherwise we're in there by ourselves with them. One on one sometimes or multiple people. Pardon me. Is it like a one on one conversation sometimes, or is there a group that you? pastor to uh usually uh we have usually a pretty full house if i'm there by myself i'm allowed to have 10 inmates okay uh, if i have a partner we're allowed to have 20 and so uh the 10 you know if, if it's me by myself then it's a little more intimate setting and it's more like a, a group group setting and and uh you know me with my counseling psychology background you know, I, I, I like that, you know, where I can mm-hmm. facil- facilitate conversations a little more, a little better, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get to more people. Um, getting back to your question, yeah, they come up, but, you know, thankfully, it, it doesn't come up that much, you know, it'll be curious to see, you know, after just the last few weeks of several inst- instances mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, police brutality coming up, uh, or, uh, you know situations you know race kind of situations right see what the atmosphere is uh well and i'm glad you kind of are are afraid to use the word police brutality because i do believe that word itself has been used to demonize all cops and that's not right either yeah absolutely you know that's the challenge for all of us regardless of what it is not the stereotype you know there's there's good and bad in every and every population and uh you know mostly good to be honest and and there's a lot of great cops out there yep and uh you know yeah they they have one of the toughest jobs you know back in college and and in my 20s i did uh security and even thought about becoming an officer at one time and and man that just really made me appreciate what they go through you know before that uh, you know, I was a typical teenager, young, young person that, mm. you know, if I got a ticket or a parking ticket or speeding ticket or something, you know, 99% of the time I'm a pretty nice guy, but mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, being in a situation like that, when I thought it was unjust, regardless, you know, whether it was or not, you know, I, I could be good. I could, I could cop an attitude with a cop and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they, that's what they deal with every day, even good citizens, you know, like I, I consider myself a decent citizen sure. the majority of the time, but, you know, I, I know a lot of friends, you know, educated, whatever, but then, you know, they get pulled over for a ticket or whatever, or parking ticket, and, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm just speaking to myself, if there's other people out there like Well, that. I'm sure there is, that they just how it react, but I want to ask you then, um, so you've had instances I thankfully have not had that instance. I mean, for me, the experience of cops is actually uh, being in lockdown on East 44th Street during UN General United Nations, the General Assembly. I lived a block away from the UN. So we were going through the cops to get back into our ho- apartment when I was a little kid. So that was the really interesting part of that, dealing with the NYPD. But Wayne, you're, you're talking about how actually um, the the sheriffs are great and they're great with the jail that you work in. Um, let me flip that question around then. Does do the prisoners gain sort of a a more respect or perspective of what cops have to go through, or what, what would you say to that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think they do to a certain extent. You know, I think they're able to be aware. Uh, you know, that's a, that's the tricky thing with uh, you know our jail ministry is because it's a volunteer. So I get there, I call, I, I get to my program's room, and then I call the unit and say, you know, it's me tonight, you know, we'll take 10 guys or 10 gals, and uh, then they send them down, uh, mm-hmm. but they, they volunteer. So in general, you know, the people who are volunteering to come to church, uh, you know, tend to be people who are remorseful, who are reflecting, mm-hmm. who are searching, who are uh, mm-hmm. you know, taking a step back and reconsidering, you know, what they've done, how they got themselves there, what they can do different. And, uh, uh, so, you know, in a way it, it's nice. That's who I'm, I'm usually dealing with, you know, they're very 
very polite, very animated. They want to find their way to the Lord, and they're finding yeah. them through finding Him through you, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Right yeah. now, right now, we're seeing protests across the country. I want to ask that in a minute, but I generally feel like people that are protesting and rioting like this maybe don't have that same pain feeling that an actual prisoner might have. Like they have a lot of pain in the prison, right? That's why they want to heal themselves. So when the average prisoner is looking at this, do you think some of them are saying these kids aren't feeling what I actually feel having been in jail? Like, do you think there's some kind of feeling they get of like, why are these people protesting? And then here I am trying to work on myself. Yeah, I'm sure they do. They, you know, uh, you know, whether you call it, it's borderline, you know, there's protesting and there's rioting. And right, right. It's hard to kind of filter through what's what exactly, sure. you know. I think when it when violence starts happening, it, it's... That's it's not it. That's anarchy as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah, and that's where it, it goes to... Uh, uh, um, not It's not protesting anymore. Right. And... Uh, it's cross the cross the line, uh, but I think you know again I, I don't know how much exposure the guys in jail or the women uh, really have. I know they have TV time, mm. and uh, but a lot of times they're they're not really in touch unless somebody you know it's a jail so it's not a prison so you know there's people come and go and someone might just be there a few nights someone might be there just a, a week or two some months and i've seen someone up up there as long as two years being there waiting for court stuff and mm. and whatever so uh you know like i i was there for easter and i walked in hey happy easter you know and, wow. and most of them were like oh it's easter we didn't even know you know and, and so i don't know really how in tune they are unless uh, you know, they get a new guy in the unit saying, man, all heck's breaking loose out there. Okay. You know, this happened and that happened and, and then that might spur some stuff up. But in mm. general, I don't I don't think they're really that in tune with what's going on. Um, and then, then again, you know, if, if there's one uh, unit with, let's say, 80 guys, you know, I, I'd say most of them are probably remorseful and, and mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and those are the people that are going to come to church, you know, but then back in the, the unit, you know, they'll talk about, yeah, there's some tough guys back, you know, there's you there for, you know. So they see you as a counselor, or, Wayne. That's great. What's that? They see you as a counselor uh, pretty much too. Yeah. You know, I try to give them an opportunity to come in and kind of share what, kind of feel where they're at, you know, right. and give them an opportunity to vent. And yeah, every once in a while they'll, they'll bump heads with the guard and, and whatever mm. and, and I have four different lessons that I do I, I rotate lessons so I don't do the same lessons you know okay with the same units you know because we see them uh, you know uh, every really every couple months you know because there's so mm. many units and uh, but one of my biggest uh, topics is uh, is forgiveness mm. and that's probably the most powerful topic that's where mm-hmm. that's where I think uh, the inmates get touched more than anything. I was going to say, are tears flowing at at certain points of your ministry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you can tell, you know, they come in and, you know, I mentioned the topic and they're like, oh, man, I'm needing a lot of that right now. You know, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, needing to forgive somebody. And I I, kind of open. I'm like, you know, this is an important topic because everybody deals with it, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's. Uh, you know, a parent, a, a child, a friend, a coworker, a guard, a mm-hmm. judge, you know, you know, you feel wrong, you've been wronged, and you're harboring unforgiveness. So let's let's deal with that because it's it's and know. clearly they're looking for forgiveness from God. That's why they're there, right? And a lot of them, yeah, they, they don't think about it. But then, you know, one thing I talk about, I, I share a little testimony about how you know, one of my struggles, you know, even after becoming a Christian was forgiving myself for some things, mm. you know, and that's when I get a lot of head nods, you know, that, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they, they know they screwed up. They know, you know, they left their, their wife or girlfriend with the kids and, you know, they're not contributing to the family and they embarrassed the family, or, you mm. know, disappointed their parents, you know, so yeah, they're, they're, they beat themselves up pretty good. You know, we can all be our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I touch on, 
receiving God's forgiveness, uh, learning how to forgive others, uh, learning how to receive forgiveness from mm -hmm. others, and then learning how to forgive ourselves. Wayne, you're, you're watching this transformation in the jail cell, right, of, of these uh, prisoners, of, of, of those jailed. And then you turn on the TV, and these people not only aren't remorseful, they're violent, they are burning down precincts and everything. Don't you wish that you could just get out there and touch those lives just as much as you're touching those in the prison walls? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, you know, a lot of times, you know, those are depressed areas. It's already hard times. And then here we, we just went through a crazy two months, mm -hmm. you know, that affects uh, you know, people being locked in and, and, you know, who knows how that affected people. I was sitting with a, uh, a friend this morning and she uh, does online marketing for wineries. Okay. And, uh, you know, she said, you know, when the tasting rooms shut down, you know, she figured business was going to be slow. Well, it turned out business just went crazy. Right, uh, because people are home, people are drinking more than ever, and, and to uh, them that's okay. But in the long scheme of things, this has brought up addictions. This has raised suicide rates, and I think that's what you're getting toward with that yeah, commentary: abuse, domestic violence, child abuse, you know, addiction. Uh, you know, so you know what what so going you know trying to uh, understand you know these these uh, riots and what uh, you know i mean those people are already going through who knows what they were already going through you know before the instance happened right the tragedy happened or whatever and you know so they, they might have just been uh, you know bubbling news of you know volcanic uh, mm. whatever ready to explode sure that, that just pushed them over you know no excuse for it uh, but well, it, it led but, to that, that was a cause of it, uh, an effect of it, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it could be, and yeah, so absolutely wish you know could intervene somehow before that, right? And uh, you know, try to keep it to to protest level and not let it get out of control. Wayne, like because then a lot of people are going to be paying consequences, and a lot of those people, you know, that on video and stuff, they're going to be ending up in jail. Mm -hmm. and having that time to think about what they're going to deal with. Wayne, you've, um, you've written about St. Nicholas, and um, I'll get on in one second, but your ministry was kind of cut off because of COVID, and you're not the only one. I mean, the nationwide, there was a sh total shutdown of religion and worshiping services. Mm -hmm. Do you think that put us back a lot, not having even worship service available for people in person who don't have the technology to do to see the online worship? Yeah, that's a great question. I uh, I go to a couple churches, and one's uh, a little more affluent than the other, and the other, you know, really uh, it's near downtown, so they minister to uh, you know more low socioeconomic uh, things. So uh, yeah, I, I could tell just uh, you know me jumping online to watch the Sunday services, and you can see the number of people and even some names and stuff, and I could tell. You know, some of those uh, people that, you know, were, were a step away from being on the street, wow. you know, weren't weren't there. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it affected them somehow, some way. And you just you just hope that, you know, because we were all kind of locked right. in. Right. You know, the pastors and the leadership were able to reach out to them and kind of just check in on them and, and uh, you know, minister to them you know, financially or, you know, spiritually or however they needed it during that time, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Wayne, I'm very glad you're going back tomorrow. That's a huge step. Uh, but what's your message for leadership that says, well, we're allowing, you know, we're going to let these riots happen. We're not really going to go after them and try and stop it. But you over there, you can't meet for Christ. For Christ. You can't meet for God because we still want to <laughs> put that lockdown on you. What do you say to those leaders that are still saying, Hey, these people can go out, but you can't. Yeah, it, it's all, it, it's a mess right now. And, uh, you know, these, uh, yeah, I can't really speak to it because I, I, I really don't watch a lot of the news. I, I sure. peek in just to kind of see the headlines and stuff. So I didn't really realize that they were just kind of letting it go. I saw, 
where uh, I was reading today that President Trump had offered support up in mm. Minnesota, and it didn't sound like uh, it was received. So I, I don't really understand that. Um, so, but you know, I, I, again, I didn't read. I didn't. I didn't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know know a lot of detail. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's crazy. Just uh, you know. By the way, like, here's a here's a president that wants to help out, and all he's getting is, you know, crapped on. Now, the tweet itself about shooting looters, I don't condone that. I condemn that a thousand percent. But that still doesn't mean if the president calls you up and says, "Hey, we've got resources for you," you can't say no to that in these situations. And maybe they have, and we just don't know it. Yeah, that's that's why I was saying. You know, I, I read the headline and some of the story, and and uh, so it sounded like you know he was he was ready a few mm-hmm. days ago to to send whatever support, and it wasn't received. So, um, so I, I I don't know. It, all things a mess. It's a tragedy. It's sad. And uh, yeah, just you know, just the restrictions that they're putting on church, like you know, church uh, you know, Sunday. Uh, you know, for here in California, I don't know yeah. what it's like back there. Yeah. They they opened it, but now it's to, for 50 people. You can't have you know more than 50 people. And my one church has 100, and the other church has 2,000. You know, yeah. so so basically, they won't really be meeting much. Mm-hmm. My smaller church will figure something out, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, it, it, the inconsistency—it's just weird. I mean, you can have 200 people walking around Walmart, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but you can only have 50 people at church. And so yeah, there's some definitely some inconsistencies, and and uh, but hopefully uh, we're in what we call phase two here, okay, in Reno, California, and uh, so they just opened that, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they open, you know, all the bars and restaurants, and, you know, whatever. And, and uh, but yet they're capping, you know, the churches at 50. What is, do you think Christianity and, and the idea of God and God protecting leads a lot of men and women to the police force because they feel like that's what God's called them to do? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think. You know, pretty much most law enforcement have good hearts mm-hmm. and, you know, want to do good. I just I remember back in my 20s when I was contemplating that, you know, wanting to make a difference. And uh, um, so, and, and I, you know, at my bigger church, uh, I know there's a sheriff's deputy and, and several police officers there. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'd love to see more people of faith, uh, you know, in in not only law enforcement, but politics and, mm-hmm. and education and, you know, these things that really affect society. Uh, well, you know, I was, it's, great, it's, it's great having, you know, pastors and mm-hmm. evangelists and all that, but man, we need people that are in the trenches. Because uh, education is where we can stop this kind of revisionist feeling of we have to eradicate everything possible. That's what I feel like they're being taught. Maybe I'm wrong, but based on what we're seeing in, in these riots, I, I just feel that's part of the reason why we're not educating them the right way. Yeah. Just, I mean, being a citizen, uh, I, I just read an article earlier uh, that they said 24% of eighth graders taking a <laughs> civics test, which is basically, you know, being a citizen and, and knowing about your know, laws and rules and whatnot. Uh, only 24% could pass a, a basic civics test for an eighth grader. Mm. And so, uh, I worked in a middle school for 10 years as a school counselor, and, you know, that just wasn't emphasized, you know, being, what it means to be a good citizen. And uh, and, I, and I'm big on personal and social responsibility, really self-governing. Right. Every, every American should be self-governing. We should be dependent less on the government and more on ourselves and mm. each other, you know, families and friends and, you know, personal and social responsibility. But but yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's it's that that test that I just happened to find to come across today just proved that you know three out of four eighth graders don't know what it means to be a good citizen. Mm. Wayne, and you and you just touched upon it. I mean, if God's in the picture, would He have helped prevent the van burnings that we're seeing with the New York Police Department? Is that what's 
a key ingredient to why this is happening is they don't have God in their lives, possibly? I think, yeah, for sure. It's it's a start, you know, I mean, our whole nation, as you know, Alex, is, you know, turned away from, from faith and, and God, and and it's become, you know, we, we as Christians have values, we have a moral code to live by, and it's not our standard, it's God's standard that we're trying to live by. Mm. And uh, whereas our society has become, you know, the term I think is a moral rel- relativism, you know, mm-hmm. that mor- morality is relative to the person. And, uh, you know, if you know, Joe Bob is going to have a different uh, value, have different values than, than Jim Bob, and Jim Bob's going to have different ones for me. And if we all have our right. own relative moral code, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the problem. And I think that's the huge thing, problem with us shifting from, from being a, a nation of faith and especially Judeo-Christian values mm-hmm. to, hey, you know, whatever you believe, that's your deal. However you feel, you can don't, feel that way, yeah, you know, those types yeah, of Don't tell me how to, you know, what to believe in or, or how to think or what, what's right or wrong. Your right and wrong isn't the same as my right or wrong. And so, yeah, so you got all these people, you know, that uh, they have their own thought of right or wrong. To You know, just a little I've seen about variety. It's not even about, uh, you know, George Floyd. Floyd. Or it's all about get stealing TVs and whatever, you know, it's just free for all now. When when you when you started your ministry, um you're very, you know, you speak well, you're great, you, you get the message across, but did you find trouble early on, like trying to hone the message just right to fit people who are criminals and have committed crimes to lead them to jail? I mean, was how how much work did it take to actually get through to these prisoners that were in jail? That are in jail. You know, again, as I shared earlier, they're very responsive because, uh, again, to come to the church service or Bible study or whatever we're doing that night, the lesson for the night, they know it's church. They know it's going to be about God. They, you know, and, and they, they're all from in different places. There's some that come in, they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't grow up with anything. You know, some might want to just get out of the unit for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, get out of their cell for an hour, and I'm okay with that because they're going to hear the word. As right. long as they're respectful and everything, it's all good. And then, but then, you know, then we have everyone in between that, you know, oh, they know little, or they haven't mixed up with some other religions, or you know, all the way up to some guys who can outquote my pastor, and mm-hmm. uh, biblically, and uh, and and everyone in between. So, you know, you go in just kind of keeping that in mind that you know, you really have to keep it basic and uh, personal try to make it personal so they connect to it uh, and they can relate to it you know because some people go in and use all these big words and Mm -hmm. And you're not like that you just want to give them the actual gospel truth so i love that which reminds me about your book the gospel of saint nicholas uh i i think you told me off there you were with a new publisher is that correct or something to that effect yeah, I'm, uh, I cleaned it up a little as far as uh, the interior and uh, just made it a little easier reading. Had another editor look at it and, and kind of made it flow a little more. Mm. Uh, you know, anyone who's read it before probably wouldn't really notice the changes that much. And then uh, just looking at doing a, a new cover or maybe having a couple different versions of covers out there, just uh, variety. I like, I like variety and, and sure. uh, make it, you know, more appealing to, to people's eyes. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to kind of working on that and we'll have uh, another. So this one would be, we'll be calling a second edition. And so it'll okay. come out. Uh, yeah, we'll have a big book launch and, and get it out and just really hoping, uh, you know, really take off this, this coming season. Mm-hmm. And, I, and man, with this crazy year, I, I man, I, I can just see people just being hungry. I, I keep, mm-hmm. that's the interesting thing. I don't know, you know, what your experience was during those two months and watching uh, church services online and, you know, speakers and this and that. But man, I really found the Christian community, you know, really 
really embraced, hey, church isn't a building. Right. It's all of us. Right. And, you know. We do Zooms every Sunday on my church. And I'm like, yeah. how come we're more, you know, we're so much more talking about on the Zoom than sometimes we are in person, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm sure there were even more people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that tuned in from, from different further places and, and whatnot. And so, and it was just neat to see, you know, people from really all over the world mm-hmm. kind of embracing that and, and kind of showing that, you know, hey, man, Christianity isn't about buildings, it's about us. And, you know, we need to step up. And, you know, I, maybe I'm just lucky and I have a lot of people of faith on my Facebook uh, page. But, man, I saw so many positive things and prayers and well wishes, and, mm. you know, reaching out, hey, if anyone needs something. And man, I really saw, you know, unfortunately, you, you, you turn on the radio or TV and then you see, you know, the, all the politics happening. And when, you know, here's a crisis happening in America, we should all be together. So watching all these politicians just, uh, just you know, just making things, dividing yeah. it, it more. My experience was online with you know, all these services and, and people on Facebook and Zoom and all that, where they, they wasn't affected. It, to me, you know, the Christian community really became more united mm. uh, in my experience uh, and even different, uh, you know, denominations, mm-hmm. you know, just saying, look, this is, you know, this is, God's bigger than all this. And uh, they were able to Life is bigger so than all. interesting to see what comes out of this. You know, I keep hearing a, a term, a great awakening, a great awakening, too, yeah. great awakening. So have you heard that? Is that your yeah, experience? Too? I have. I've seen that on Twitter tagged a lot. But uh, when you just mentioned about, you know, the violence on the screen, and yet when you even walk outside your door, it's totally not what they're saying on TV. And that's the whole mind trick to me. It's like, why am I seeing such a peaceful park? when we're supposed to be seeing violence on the streets? Why aren't the media going to peaceful people? And Wayne, why aren't people, why aren't vigils for George Floyd being covered? I mean, this is the question that's bothering me most. Is like, you've actually got peaceful uh, memorial for him and they're not just, they're just not showing that. And I'm really, um, I can't watch TV sometimes. I get like, am I really seeing this? Is this real life? So, um, but I know that St. Nick, I'm sure he had some adversity like this, did he, like, was he during uh, a period of unrest that he, he rose to the occasion for people? Yeah, well, you know, one thing you and I talked about uh, a few weeks ago, uh, that, you know, St. Nicholas uh, had lived through a pandemic and, uh, or a plague, and that was a huge, significant part of his life. He was a, uh, you know, probably between 10 and 14 years old old when that happened and uh he actually lost his parents his parents died in the plague Mm. so uh saint nicholas or nicholas uh you know he knows grief he knows death Uh, Mm -hmm. you know here we just hit the hundred thousand mark for american deaths uh uh, in over the last couple months and you know here's saint nicholas he he was one of those who lost loved ones and so you know, that's one of the special things about his story is he's so personable, he's so relatable, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and that changed his the course of his life because then uh, his his parents were family were faith filled people, and so mm-hmm. I have that in my book that uh, you know they they had hope they and I think that was the thing that, that was the biggest thing with the Christian community online was was hope and and mm-hmm. that's what uh, I saw with St. Nicholas is, uh, and his parents dying is that they, they know what's ahead for them. They know this mm. isn't the end of the story. They know they'll see each other again and be with each other again. And that mm. faith and hope and, uh, you know, really made an impact on him. And as hard as it was losing his parents, he had that faith and hope to, to cling to and get through those hard times and even prepare them for even harder times later. Cause you, know, you ask about other situations and then he lived during a time where at the time emperor Diocletian, they were under Roman rule 
and uh, Diocletian was the emperor of Rome at the time, and he persecuted Christians, including Nicholas, and Nicholas spent five years in prison, and I'm sure was tortured. I have uh, a big scene of him being tortured and, uh, and thrown into prison, and, and spent five years in prison, and again, he clung to his faith, that he had that hope and faith that, you know, there's something better ahead, regardless of what happens to us here. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what we're going through and we have two choices get bitter or get better and that. so that's what i saw a lot of online at least in my com the communities i was connected to was you know i didn't see a lot of negativity it's like you know look we we have this opportunity to kind of step back the whole world mm -hmm. has had an opportunity to step back and kind of reevaluate things you know what's important in this life you know me working 60 hours a week uh, you know, here I'm now I'm home with my kids and this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, maybe I should be working less and spending more time with the kids because the kids are like clean you know, all the time because good. they're loving me being home so much or whatever. Sure. You know, it's different scenarios. So, uh, yeah, taking, taking, you know, politically people saying using a crisis, you know, to get their agenda across, that's a whole other thing. But individuals, you know, using this crisis to step back and reflect and reevaluate. And better this. ourselves, right? Some have actually taken better, the chance to better exactly. ourselves. But yeah, wait. There's mm -hmm. so many online classes and, yeah. and, and stuff. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. Wayne, when you say you're finally home, where do you, on a normal basis, outside of the prison, where do you take the story of, of St. Nicholas? Where do you talk about it? Well, right now, not too many places just because. Right. You know, it's a historical novel that, that can be read any time of year. And it's kind of neat because uh, during the pandemic, Smashwords, uh, they're uh, uh, an ebook company. Okay. And uh, they uh, offered to authors to uh, either do a discount on their books during these two months or, you know, offer them free or whatever. So, so yeah, I went ahead and clicked on uh, free, you know, that if anyone was interested, they could have my book uh, for free during uh, April and May. And it was neat to see there. I probably had uh, over 10 people uh, get the book. Wayne, you know, that here. is so selfless. And um, it's selfless because you're not looking to do this for money. You're doing this because you want the hearts and minds to change. And I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and get some hope and some joy and Mm. some personal you know spiritual feeding sure the book and and yes like, i was excited and every time i i got a little email oh. saying hey someone got your book you know i just pray pray over them and just say you know lord touch them teach them and entertain them and you know give them an extra touch give them some healing or whatever would you, they need. Would you yeah. recommend that for all, all authors that they should go on there and, and really put their work out because I've also discussed something called hoarding inspiration, which is kind of what I termed because when you hoard it, when you keep it to yourself in a time like this, that's so unhealthy. So are there other authors that could really share their inspiration as well on Smashwords? Is it, is, is it yeah, yeah, Smashwords opened it up to, to all authors. And that's so, uh, yeah, there were quite a few, uh, you know, that, that either reduced the price of their, their book or, or gave it for free. And, uh, and I knew, you know, mine's kind of off. See, like I said, it's, it can be read any time of year. It's a novel, but the reality is, you know, majority of people are going to want to read it. Uh, even though there is a lot of Easter stuff, it could just be as much be an Easter book because it does talk a lot about the resurrection and, and Christ and all that. And, uh, but anyway, I was just excited some people, you know, here April, May, you know, went ahead and got it and hope, hope they enjoyed it. Wayne, I got to ask you, I love the dog barking. It's such a real thing. Sorry. During this, no, it's okay. It's such You're a real like, thing. I got to go though. bathroom, man. <laughs> it's such a real thing, but I don't mind it. Um, I, but your story, because when you told this to me in, in December of, uh, what was it, 19? Because, yeah, we met last October. But when you told me the story of why you clung to St. Nicholas, that was very moving. So why don't you tell it to those who might be listening to this for the first time? Okay. Yeah, I, I I'm guessing you're going back to when the story came to me. Yeah. Um, yep. Back in 2008. Yeah. I went through divorce. So, you know, hard year, you know, worst year of my life. 
I, at the time, my, my children, my daughter was 11, my son was nine. And uh, so uh, it was a rough year, you know, and then anyone who's familiar with divorce, you know, you, you go from two incomes to one income. Split. Mm. And, uh, and so when the holidays rolled around, uh, I really wanted to do something different for my kids. I really wanted the meaning of Christmas to, to be emphasized, not just the, the material. And I, I was very disillusioned with all the commercialism of the holiday season at that point, too. And, uh, and so I just wanted to emphasize the true meaning of Christmas, you know, the birth of Christ as mm-hmm. our Savior. And uh, so I just started reading more about Christmas history and then, of course, uh, St. Nicholas and uh, you know, who he was, Santa Claus. And I, I, I knew Santa Claus and St. Nick had a connection, but I didn't really know all. And so once I started digging into St. Nicholas's story, I'm like, holy moly, there's so much rich uh, spiritual teaching and, and uh, knowledge here. You know, why don't we, and it's a fascinating story, why don't we know this? You know, here he's born to wealthy parents in Rome, and they're Christians. That's unheard of. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, then the parents die in the plague, and then he inherits everything from them and then so so he's wealthy and and then he feels called by god they're a christian family and then he feels called by god to to give it away and uh, and that's how the tradition of his giving spirit uh, Mm. began and uh so yeah he he gave his wealth away and then became a a priest and then was persecuted and then uh you know traveled with israel and and uh, and then became a bishop of Myra, and mm. and so here he lived on a, a coastal, grew up on a coastal city in a coastal city, and then he was a bishop of another coastal city, and so he, that's how his his name spread, uh, mm. so really around the world. There's I think there's over three thousand Saint Nicholas churches all around the world. Uh, but he was on the Mediterranean, and that was the center of the world at that time. That was the Roman Empire. You had, you had Europe, you had the Middle East, you had Africa, you had Asia, and and so the Mediterranean was the med was the trading capital of the world. Sure. So he's meeting people from all over the world, and they're all learning about who Nicholas was and his generosity and. And how he was touching lives, and they were taking stories of him back home all around the world. And so, yeah, so, you know, during that season, that's what I got to share with my children that that first Christmas uh, after the divorce was, uh, you know, there's so much. And it was all about him giving, just being uh, a Christ follower and, and clinging to his faith and hope. And Wayne, and, I feel like the way you're talking about him, you related to him as you wrote the story and did the research. Would would that be? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just that, you know, of course, financially, uh, things got tougher for me. And then to see him give his wealth away, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, I, I really don't need a lot of material wealth. And and actually, my, my kids are uh, 23 and 21 now. And uh, man, my son just, I don't hear from him. He's in California, so we don't talk all that much. But he texted me out of the blue. I don't know what was going on with him, but he's like, just... Yeah, Dad, I just want to say thank you for showing us that, you know, materialism and, and material wealth and having a big house and fancy car and stuff, you know, really isn't important, you know, just a simple life, mm. you know, keeping life simple and, and focusing on what's important in life with relationships and, yeah. and, family and friends. And so I, yeah, he, I don't know where I came from, but man, I, I just soaked it up as a dad. And uh, and I think it all went back to yeah that first Christmas in 2008 you know and, and then you know us talking about it and that's when I started writing the book and and uh, so yeah a lot of a lot of uh, Saint Nick's life as you read it or a lot of the things I was probably dealing with and struggling with mm-hmm. during it because I wrote it over seven years uh, so it was a, a journey because. Uh, you know, working for the school district, I just didn't have time as a school psychologist working too much. Uh, uh, that I only worked on it during Christmas, Easter, and summer vacations. Uh, you know, when I had a block of time to really sit and. and do but you that. got it done, and that—that's perseverance. Just go for seven years and write it. Now, I love the picture of Saint Nick because, 
you say how he went through all these hardships. If there he is strapping this, you know, the sack of toys on his back and doing it, I feel like that is such a powerful image saying, look where he came from and look who he became. And I think we can all relate yeah. to that in a sense, can't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, Wayne, I, I, I love your story. I'm glad that you're back at it. And you have you had any Zoom conferences about the book or any Zoom interviews about the book yet? Or uh, Nothing I've coordinated. You know, the season's coming back up. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be fun, you know, with this new firm I'm with, you know, that's updating the book. Uh, that's going to be part of it is the marketing and, and what we'll do in the fall mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes. Um, but not, but not much since, uh, you know, last season when I got to uh, hang out with you yeah. and, and do some other things. Yeah. Well, as yeah, a school, so. as a school psychologist, you had mentioned that you had also tried to, you know, gently tell them about God in those sessions or something that you had said something to that effect. Am I right? Yeah, you know, it's a fine line working in public schools and, and sharing your faith. But, you know, get to know kids and you get to know families and who, you know, go to church or whatever. Uh, but but if there's a situation, you know, we we can't, you know, go in and start, you know, evangelizing. Sure. Uh, but, you know, you build relationships with kids and families and it, it opens doors to, to share faith and hear about their faith. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just interested in people. I love people. I love learning their story. And, uh so if if a kid came into my office with a with a concern or a problem and you know we'd we'd talk it out let them vent and uh, and then when we got to the solution uh, the problem solving uh, part of it you know that's a question I would just ask I'd say you know do you have a, a faith background any kind of church background that mm. you know helps uh, you know you deal with this kind of problem and and just see what they say and share and just see if that would open up doors uh you know if regardless of what faith they they were you know mm-hmm. it, it opened up doors to just talk about faith and spirituality and, beautiful and whatnot. yeah that's awesome because you know i don't know if you miss working in the public schools but with your endeavor here i i can sense you're not missing it that much maybe the kids but not the abiding by sort of yeah non-religious politics and all that yeah yeah yeah. but that's probably why we're seeing what we're seeing today right that they've taken out that uh sector of of what kids were raised on in the public school for years we had religion in school i don't know if you did or not but i know that i did for a few years there so that sector was still there up until the 90s and i guess it just dissipated yeah now, you know, to me, I can only speak for my area, but it's really making a comeback. You know, when I was a school counselor, uh, my principal was a Christian, and so uh, he let me lead a Christian group. Of course, it had to be, I knew some students who were Christians and went to them, hey, do you want to start a group? If you do, I can be your advisor, but you mm-hmm. all have to, you know, do most of the work. And, and so, yeah, so we had a, a group uh, at our middle school, but high school where my kids went uh fca's real big their fellowship of christian athletes mm. and it's led by one of our local youth pastors and uh and that's pretty big and so it's it's exciting to see a lot of that happening coming back sort of like a rebirth right so that that's yeah good. yeah because i mean just you know suicides we my our high school right before the pandemic the month before so it would have been what february uh, we literally had five deaths uh, in one month. Uh, we had an accidental overdose, and then uh, uh, what looks like either an overdose or a suicide. And this was during the pandemic. Is that what you're saying? Or? Right before the pandemic. So in February, our high school, so uh, an overdose, overdose, suicide, uh, and then another suicide, and then we had two children murdered it was a murder suicide uh by the mom oh my god if you can believe that the mom killed the husband and then the two teenage boys and uh and then herself and uh, you know so these five deaths you know that high school had in one month and, hmm. and it's like you know so so thankful you know our community came out my church is right next to the high school they did a bunch of stuff 
and and the principal, you know, the school district was open to anything and everything. They're like, these kids need any, you know, it's a huge high school, almost 2,000. And uh, they were receptive to anything we could give them. When you did... When you did start the Christian group, though, did you find kids would be like telling other friends, hey, come to this group with me? I know you may not believe yet, but come with me and see what this is about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, call it friendship and evangelism, you know, especially for kids. Sure. Know, especially that age, they're bubbling ooze of insecurity mm-hmm. and uh, they don't want to do anything, you know, risky, you know, so they want to go with a friend. And so, so it's nice finding a little handful of you know christian kids that were friends that you know wanted to take take up the charge and then you know they would invite their friends and then so cool. you know slowly and I, I witnessed it up with the fellowship of christian athletes you know then you know like my my son played football and so uh he ended up uh being one of the leading the football team in prayers wow. uh, at practices and and before and after games and so it's just neat to see how you know the the school mm-hmm. uh, was receptive and open to because they knew it was positive they knew they saw the changes in the kids that were getting involved with this group that it was something positive and uh you know the kids were uh, whether they were christian or not were finding a connection uh, and here we have the cya or yeah cya i think it is that uh, the the Christian athletes here too. So it, there's a strong, strong presence there. And I, I love that. Um, yeah. Wayne, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about the birth of Christ and St. Nicholas today mm-hmm. because today's Transfiguration Sunday. So what would you like and what should people be hoping we can literally send God back up there with today? Uh, <laughs> a message. I, I truly am I'm feeling that question right now. So what would you want us to send up with Jesus as he goes back up on Transfiguration Sunday? Man, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, what I've been hearing the last two months, and forgive me, I'm no Bible scholar. I, I don't, I can't, I'm not one of those people who can pull scripture out of my head, but the, the one verse we've all been healing, hearing is, uh, you know, repent and God will heal your land. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what scripture that is? Do you know what I'm does it sound familiar? It sounds somewhat familiar, but not that, that was Wayne's par Wayne's very short paraphrase version <laughs> of it, you know. But uh, but that's that was my first thought is you know we as a nation, especially as Christians, because I think Christians have really forfeited a lot of territory to Satan, including education, politics uh you know all kinds of different realms. say that one more time i want that again because i love that statement that that christians forfeited a lot of territory satan uh, including politics education universities uh and you know law enforcement uh, i think we've also service we've also forfeited humanity don't you think how how would you define that i would say i don't think we're humanizing every sector of the the people in the in the world we're not humanizing minorities we're kind of using them as a pawn one way or another unfortunately we're not humanizing even white people because people forget that we have families too uh yeah. we're not it's hum- white it's white privilege and that's the you know and that's the form of racism as well so yeah so we we are not humanizing every sector the immigrants too and and the cops mm-hmm. so how can we start to truly humanize everybody and say can we just stop this bloodshed and say we're all humans, we're all in this together? Yeah, and I, I think that's where we as the Christians, to, to me, that's that's our job. You know, we're the we're the kingdom ambassadors. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, you know don't read the Lord's Prayer, but it's you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will, will be, be done. done on earth as it is in heaven and so he's coming through us so we should be bringing the kingdom and the kingdom you know what's the kingdom like you know they're all singing praises up there and mm-hmm. full of joy and there's no death and sickness and and hate and all that and so that's that's what we need to be allowing god to do through us 
and you know be forces in, in the community and in, in our culture mm. influence we should be culture influencers uh, as far as all goes. yeah Wayne I love this and I love the self-governance because as, as I mentioned earlier I feel like no one's being held responsible for their actions mm-hmm. um, on the anarchist side of things I mean we're holding this cop accountable we're holding him responsible for what he did so why can't these people take it to hold themselves responsible and say yeah we messed this up in the way we reacted to it we'll never see that but we should and our leaders also shouldn't again pawn off responsibility to just the way the cops handle it they have to say well we don't like the protesters way of handling it either or the rioters way of handling it either so please keep talking about self-governance because the more we do, the more we get through to people that way, I think we can make a bigger difference than, than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, for sure. So Wayne Vanderwall, we, I know you have a Facebook page, page, and so tell us about that and where people can get a hold of you. Uh, well, it's the gospel of Santa Claus, uh, com, gospel of, the gospel of Santa Claus.com. And there's a contact form on there. And, and actually uh, the woman I met this morning that, that does works with all the wineries uh, marketing. She's my web person. So she, so I'm actually having a WayneVanderwall.com website. Very uh, cool. Being built. You know, so that should be done by July. Cause I have some other projects coming up, uh, you know, so I just thought it'd be time to have my own website and then maybe I'll follow your, your, your mentorship and leadership as far as blogging and, and vlogging. I just learned that term this morning. Vlogging. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, if you ever need, uh, if you want to ever talk about that, well, I'm, I'm game. I'm game to help you get this message out. So thank you for doing it on my podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, Alex. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I guess before we wrap up, one final message for those rioting, for those mourning, for those trying to figure out what the heck's going on in this country, your message on this Sunday. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell them. <laughs> oh, no, no, your, me- your message. What, what's you. my message? Uh, well, tomorrow is also Pentecost Sunday uh, when the Holy Spirit came down on Peter and, and some of the others and, and uh, you know, just the power of the Holy Spirit uh, just spread like wildfire and 3,000 people were saved. Mm. And so in light of that, uh, you know, I, I think the message for us is, you know, there's hope no matter how dismal, you know, the Friday before hmm. Sunday, you know, looked, was depressing and, and, you know, but, but Sunday it led to something great. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what these times are, are kind of showing us that regardless of how tough things are financially, relationally, uh, work-wise, family-wise, whatever's going on with you, marriages, whatever strain that's been put on you during this time, put on all of us, you know, that that if we uh, cling to Christ, you know, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside us, mm-hmm. and uh, that we just have to be open to it, you know, I, I liken it to a light, um, like a lamp, you know, a lamp can be plugged on, plugged in, but it's not turned on mm-hmm. uh, to get the light. You know, and there's a lot of Christians. I know I was a Christian at one time where I was plugged in. I was plugged into the power, you know, this amazing force of power, but I wasn't turned on to it to receive it and let it uh, flow through me. And uh, and so, so that's my message is, you know, to kind of reflect on where you're at with God spiritually and personally uh, and uh, kind of have a little heart to heart with them, maybe do some repenting if that's something you need to do. And, and we do, uh, we all, you know, it should just be a regular practice of going through repentance, asking for forgiveness, and then just receiving it, knowing it's a promise, receive that forgiveness, embrace it. And then, you know, just remember, he's just a loving father. I just, I just always envisioned the, the prodigal son and the dad, and the dad coming out with the robe and throwing the robe around him, and just giving him a hug, and, and uh, that no matter how bad we screw up, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's he's there to embrace. You know, I when I was a kid, you know, my dad was a marine, and we got the belt. You know, if we got out of line, 
you know, so my mom said, wait till your dad gets home. Huh. You know, I'd be up in my room hiding. And, yeah. uh, but that's not our heavenly father. Our heavenly father is like, I know you screwed up. I, I saw it. I knew it was going to happen, but he does see it coming more so than we do. Oh, hi. Yeah. He's like, come to me, come to yeah. me. I'm going to comfort you and I'll help you uh, not screw up as bad next time. You know, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my message is just cling to the hope and, and really uh, embrace God and, and all things, the Bible says all things work for the good of those who love God. So regardless of what hap- what's happening with us right now, it, it's all for good if we love God. He's going to turn good out of it. And you're right. It is Pentecost Sunday. But you know what? Uh, Transfiguration is later in the year. But, you know, even so, we should always send a prayer up to God one way or another. So, yeah. Hey, Wayne, thanks for joining. And, and uh, please come back with updates you got on your projects. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Alex. I appreciate it, and always great talking to you. The Gospel of Santa Claus and Wayne Vanderwall. Thanks for joining. You know, he texted me. He said after this interview was done, uh, sure enough, there were protests by him in Reno. So we're praying for that area, praying for Minneapolis, praying for Minnesota, New York, and all cities tonight as another night of unrest sure to unfold, even though we wish it wouldn't. And this has been another... Alex Garrett Podcasting Production. We'll talk to you soon.